One. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer. Jim Calhoun, NASCAR icon, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Kirk Herbstreit is on the phone. It is Monday, January 15th, I hope everybody's doing I hope everybody is enjoying a great Martin Luther King Day holiday. Hope everybody is spending a little bit of time. Maybe you get a little time off of work. Hope you enjoy the two NFL games this week, by the way. I also hope you enjoy this Fun Monday edition of the Air Tours Pod. We have so much to discuss. Here is what you need to know about today's show. We're going to open. Not often I talk NFL on this show, but with the debacle involving the Dallas Cowboys, it's all anybody's talking about. We have to. Tours loves the NFL too. We got to share some Dallas Cowboys NFL thoughts. From there, we'll switch our uh, to our kind of our bread and butter college football. Since the last time we recorded, Kalen DeBoer is the head coach at uh, at Alabama. They got their head coach. We'll discuss that, why I think it works, why I like the hire. But then we'll also discuss the fallout at Washington, where out the side door, Jed Fish goes from Arizona to Washington. I'll be blunt. I don't really like the move for Jed Fish, but we'll break that all down. By the way, we're going to do a ton of college hoops today, but there is so much football. We'll save the college hoops for later in this week. January into February, February into March, plenty of time for college hoops. But today, it's all football, all the time. Let's not waste any more time. And let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, as I just said, we don't talk much NFL on this show. But at the same time, when you have a story as big as the Cowboys getting embarrassed in the playoffs. By the way, when everything broke their way, Philly falls apart. You get the bogus Dan Campbell weird, you know, reporting. Uh, you end up with the two seed when you probably didn't deserve it. Feels like everything is finally going your way. And then just a total, a no-show of all no-shows against the Green Bay Packers. And let me say this. One, this is kind of why I like college sports more than the pros. Because in college sports, you can fire a head coach. The players come, the players go. In the pros, if you get stuck, especially in football, with the wrong head coach, and obviously in football, the wrong quarterback, you are in deep, deep, deep trouble. And so I've said it for three or four years now. I said, I don't love Dak, and I do not like Mike McCarthy. This, by the way, we're going to come full circle on my greatest take that I have ever had here momentarily. But look at the NFL. To be great, to win a Super Bowl, you need to either be great at the quarterback position or the head coaching position, ideally both. I think Baltimore is great at quarterback with Lamar Jackson, great at head coach with John Harbaugh. I think, uh, you know, Kansas City, great with Andy Reid, great with Patrick Mahomes. I think Buffalo is at least great at quarterback with Josh Allen. I think, uh, you know, other teams, Belichick through the years, although we'll get to Belichick momentarily, thought he was great. Is that like the point I'm trying to make, you cannot win with these two guys. I've been saying it for years, and so let's break it down. Listen, with Dak, I love Dak. He seems like a great guy. He's about the right things. He's great in the community. But as somebody who hosts national sports talk radio, I host Fox Sports Radio every Saturday night. The Dak contract was a topic for like three off seasons in a row. And I just remember saying at the time, listen, he's going to get paid. 
You have to pay him. I get this is how it works, but you're signing up for the same thing every single year. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. That is Dak as your quarterback. Year one, he comes on the scene. Tony Romo gets hurt, chokes in the playoffs, not good enough. Year after year after year after year. And so when you give that guy 40, 45, 50 million dollars, I understand that that's what you do for all these elite quarterbacks, but it limits what you can do at other positions. It limits what you can do on the offensive line, skill position, defense. And so I just said, listen, it's fine. Give him the contract, but he ain't the answer. Well, what did we see on Sunday? Another big game in a big moment. He got outplayed by Jordan freaking love, who to Jordan freaking loves credit is much better than I thought he would be. But first year starter, First playoff game, he just, Jordan Love is awesome. Dak is a mess. Pick six, probably should have at least one or two more interceptions as well. Still, you're stuck with Dak. He's good enough. And this, to me, falls on Mike McCarthy. And so with Mike McCarthy, I've said it. So so this was the take that I was referencing a minute ago. The best take that I've ever had on the Aaron Torres pod. You can go back two years ago, January of 2022, the NFL season, the 2021 NFL season. That was the year that Dallas lost the home playoff game to the San Francisco 49ers when Dallas did not know how to spike the football, okay? That's rudimentary, fundamental, day one, Pop Warner stuff. That's it. And so I said at the time, this stuff happens too much with Mike McCarthy. This stuff happens where it's the little details with Mike McCarthy. It's not knowing how to, how to, how, how to uh, uh, down the football how to stop the clock. It's not knowing how to, um, too many penalties, unprepared, undisciplined, jumping off sides, beating yourself. Well, what did we see on Sunday? The little things, a team that was completely unprepared. By the way, it's not the first time it happened this year. Didn't show up against Arizona. Didn't show up against Buffalo. The little things went wrong for Dallas, just like they have all year. Remember the Miami game, the snap, goal line, whatever? Remember the Detroit game? Before all the Dan Campbell stuff, what was the big story? Dak's throwing on third down when you don't have to throw the football when you should be running the ball to to, to make Detroit use their timeouts. So I bring it up because this has always been Mike McCarthy's problems. In the big moments, the big games, even in the non-big games, the team isn't prepared. But it's fundamentals, it's discipline, it's whatever. And that's what we saw. It, It all came together on Sunday, right? You saw a team that was completely unprepared. You saw all the little mistakes, not only a pick six from Dak, but you saw, um, you know, missed PAT. You saw a penalty on the goal line when you're going for two to cut it to a two possession game. You go on and on down the list. I'll say this, Dan Campbell, who's supposed to be such a defensive genius that he's getting head coaching opportunities. Dan Campbell, late in the game, when Dallas is down by a million points, He's got his uh he's got his defensive backs basically in uh you know in in a prevent defense. It's like we know Aaron Jones is going to run the ball. Get him up on the line of scrimmage. Stop the clock. And so I go on and on and on. I don't know what else to say other than that Mike McCarthy isn't the guy. And so I bring it up because this goes back to the take that I promised you, okay? So 3 years ago, so it was the, the uh winter of 22 I said that if I was the Dallas Cowboys, 
you have a roster built to win a Super Bowl right now, and you have a small window when at the time, C.D. Lamb, Trevon Diggs, and Micah Parsons were all on rookie contracts. All those guys are going to get paid. The window is now. And so my take at the time, and this was before guys were getting 20, 25, 30 million dollars a year to be NFL head coaches. I said, go get Nick Saban, pay him 25 million a year and say, look, you only got three, four more years left. Now we ended up finding out it was two years, but that's beside the point. And I said, because he has the window that you need and he has exactly what you need. The discipline, the structure, the accountability, the little details. So that is not going to happen because Nick Saban is not retired. But one, I just think you have to fire Mike McCarthy. And this isn't like Torres, hot take, whatever. This is just common sense. This is just, there are too many good candidates. This is too many years in a row with Mike McCarthy. Bottom line, if Jerry does not make this firing on, on Monday morning, he's not serious about winning a Super Bowl. Not when Vrabel's out there, not when Belichick's out there, not when Harbaugh's out there, not when Pete Carroll's out there. You go on and on and on down the list. There are so many better candidates than Mike McCarthy to get this team over the top. And so to bring it full circle, listen, I'll say this. I think the fact remains, go back to the take that I had. Nick Saban's not coming back. Okay, we get it. He's retired, whatever. But who was Nick Saban's former boss? Listen, I think if you're Bill, if you're uh if you're Jerry Jones, you have to call Bill Belichick. I think there's only one answer to save this whole thing if you're the Dallas Cowboys. It's Bill Belichick. Now, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to say there's only one answer, but I think he's the best answer because, again, what has Bill struggled with? Finding the quarterback. What has Bill struggled with? Uh, drafting. Well, guess what? You got the quarterback. You're stuck with him. And Stephen Jones, to his credit, is a great player evaluator. I don't know where he went to school to figure this all out, but he is great at talent evaluation. So you go to Bill, give him a huge contract. You say, hey, Let's finish this thing in style. You come here, you break Don Shula's record, and we got a, as they say in the um, in the real estate business, this is a turnkey deal. You don't got to go to Washington and start over from the bottom. You don't got to go to Atlanta and start over from the bottom. You come here, you got it all. Imagine what you could do with Micah Parsons. You coached LT. Imagine what you could do with Micah Parsons. Trevon Diggs when he's healthy. Uh, that other, you know, they got so much talent on that defense. Here's the other thing about Belichick that I don't think people are talking about. He's coming with Josh McDaniels. Like, I keep hearing, like, Bel- I wouldn't hire Belichick. It's like, well, Belichick, the head coach, and Belichick check the GM. Certainly wouldn't bring Belichick the GM. But Belichick, the head coach, when he can focus on defense and when he has the offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels, that he trusts, guess what? They win. Two years ago, when Josh McDaniels, before he went to the Raiders, guess what happened? They went to the playoffs and won 10 games with Mac Jones as a quarterback. The same Mac Jones that everybody is ready to run out of the NFL right now. Josh McDaniels as the offensive coordinator with Bill Belichick's defense. They were able, they were able to win immediately. And they were able to win reasonably big. Now you have Dak. Now you have that defense. Now you have Josh McDaniels. I say you got to do it. Now I will also say, this is where it gets interesting to me. There is some pushback about like, you know, well, what about, um, you know, would, uh, would, uh, you know, would Jerry and Bill Belichick get along? First of all, Jerry, put your ego aside. I hate to say it. You're in your eighties. Belichick's in his seventies. I know that Belichick's got to put his ego aside a little bit too, 
But at the same time, I'm sitting here saying, Jerry, do you want to win a Super Bowl or not? If Bill Belichick says no more press conferences, no more radio interviews for you, Jerry, put it aside. You have to want to win. But here's the other thing. There's another guy that's available too. That's Jim Harbaugh. And that's actually the guy, like, I actually think Belichick is the answer. But I kind of think Jim Harbaugh might be the answer too. Younger, has at least coached in a Super Bowl, is going to clean up the little things. But here's the other thing about Harbaugh. I don't think Harbaugh will be as bothered by Jerry Jones and Jerry Jones's ego as Bill Belichick would. Bill Belichick, it'll drive him crazy. The owner doing press conferences on a Wednesday, okay? Um, I don't think Harbaugh would care. Harbaugh would be like, whatever. Who's got it better than us? Nobody. Don't care. Focused on football. Love my guys. Can you imagine Harbaugh, the glasses, uh, Jerry, the star, Dallas, there are too many good options out there. So in my personal opinion, I would go, I would get rid of Mike McCarthy. Listen, Jerry, you got to do it. And by the way, I was on radio during the Jason Garrett thing when he didn't want to fire Jason Garrett. He tried to figure out ways to keep him. No, you got to get rid of Mike McCarthy. No more Mr. Nice Guy. No more Mr. Loyalty. Get rid of him. This was a debacle. And then from there, I think you got to go get Bill Belichick. I think you got to go get Jim Harbaugh. Jerry, you're in your 80s, bro. I'm not even a Cowboys fan for people who are wondering. I just want to see the Cowboys good, and it ain't going to happen with this current coaching staff in place. Woo! That it was a fire, fire first segment. That's what we're going to do, though. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. When we come back, we're going to talk some college football. Dallas should need a head coach. Alabama's got one. Kalen DeBoer. What's next? Why I like the hire? Press conference from DeBoer. We'll discuss it all next. Quick break. Be right back. Bluntly, first of all, I'm I'm stunned at how quickly the news cycle in 2024 moves. It is crazy to me because think about it. It was just 72 hours ago that we did the last Aaron Torres pod and we kind of sort of had an idea Alabama's coaching job had been open for 48 hours. And by that point, we kind of had an idea of, okay, who are legitimate candidates, who are not legitimate candidates, et cetera, et cetera. Well, since then, Alabama has officially hired a head coach. Uh, Kalen DeBoer has officially had his first press conference as the head coach at Alabama. And obviously, as I just mentioned a minute ago, there's been some craziness at Washington to replace him. And so it's just wild to me how quickly things move and how much can change over the course of a weekend. But what we now know is Kalen DeBoer is the head coach at Alabama. And what I would also say is considering the realistic options to replace Nick Saban, I think Greg Byrne, the AD, did about as well as any Alabama fan could have asked for. Now, bluntly, look, I get it. I get that there are certain fans that are going to sit there and say, I need to see it on the field. And we need to win national championships. This is the standard that this program is set. And if that is who you are, I, I, I totally get it. You don't want to get too excited. You're replacing the greatest who ever did it. And it's basically going to be impossible to fill that guy's shoes. And you're not going to get excited over one press conference in January when the games aren't played till September. But again, I think realistically, based on who was available, this was about as well as Alabama could have expected. First of all, I think it's important to note. Just because you heard a name or saw a message board rumor, 
I don't know that everybody that everybody thinks was available really was. I don't think Steve Sarkeesian was ever really leaving Texas for Alabama. Dan Lanning maybe was interested, but he had a $20 million buyout. And in the NIL world, that is just way too much to spend on a guy when he could be spending it bluntly on players instead. Maybe Mike Norvell was available, but is Mike Norvell a major, major step up? I don't know from Dick Kalen DeBoer. So to me, when you have the opportunity to get a guy who just led his team to a 14-1 season, played for a national championship at this level, and you had the chance to get him, I think that's about as well as you could have done. Because to me, again, looking at the realistic options, he checks virtually all the boxes. Now, he's not a perfect candidate. Nobody is. But let's just talk about who Kalen DeBoer is as a head coach. First off, success everywhere he's gone. And we talked about this on Friday. We talked about it on Wednesday when Nick Saban retired. Heck, we talked about it during the college football playoff. But everywhere this guy goes, he wins and wins immediately. Started at the small school, NAIA level. And I know what people say, it's the NAIA. It's nothing like major college football. And I totally agree. It is nothing like major college football. Let's not get that mistaken. But at the same time, I think there's something to be said if you can win at that level, at the level that he did, by the way, Five years, 67-3 and three as a head coach, three national championships, four national championship games. If you can win at that level with the limited resources you have, no budget, I believe he had one full-time assistant coach when he was there, and he went 67-3. and three. That's like a 94% win percentage, and you can do it without resources, without facilities. You must be a pretty darn good football coach. And so I think when you factor that in and then you factor in that he then spends a, a decade as an assistant coach learning from other people, he gets to Fresno. Let's take out the COVID year because the COVID year was crazy for everybody. Year two goes nine and three, then goes to Washington and goes 11 and two and 14 and one. The guy wins and he wins big everywhere. More important, and I think this is the most important part specifically for the Alabama job. I'm not claiming I know the guy well. I've been around him, press conferences, et cetera. I think he is an egoless guy. And I think he is a guy that listens to others, that respects others. Um, and I think most importantly, he is a guy that understands that to have success every year is going to be a little bit different. He actually talked about this in his opening press conference. In 2024, in the transfer portal year, when players are coming and going, but more specifically, with this specific Alabama team, I think he's the perfect guy for this reason. He's not going to come in and dictate, this is what we do. This is how we do it. This is my offense, and you better learn it or else. That's some, like, Jimbo Fisher crap, okay? That's some, you know, old school, you know, 1994 stuff. I don't think you can do that in this era. But more importantly, I don't think you can do this at Alabama. Because the bottom line is, when you take over as a head coach somewhere, Let's be honest, in virtually every situation that you take over, you're taking over a bad team that's been losing, and I think you can go in with that junction, boys, this is how we do things, either put up or get out. You can't do that at Alabama. All of those guys are the best of the best. All of those guys have options, by the way. Any one of the 85 guys could enter the transfer portal and immediately play and have options at a Power 5 uh, job or Power 5 school next year. But more importantly, you can't do that at Alabama because they've won. 
They've had success. And so if you go in trying to say, this is how we're going to do things. This is who we are. This is what we're about. Those guys are going to be like, we don't need to listen to you. We've won just as much as you. We played Michigan tougher than you did. We won the SEC. And so to me, that's why he's the perfect guy. Because there's no ego. Because there's no attitude. Because he said, I plan on talking to Nick Saban every day. I plan on learning everything I can from Nick Saban. But more importantly, because he is going to build a program around the insane talent that Nick Saban has left him. And that's why I think he can have immediate success because this isn't a guy that's going to say, well, Jalen Milrow is not my quarterback and I need a different type of this and a different type of that. Now he's going to add guys, make no mistake about it. But I also think he is a guy that's going to look in that locker room and say, this is the most talented roster that I've ever had. But more importantly, there are pieces that I can work with and I am going to make these pieces work. As an outside observer, this is the most impressive thing about Kalen DeBoer to me, is that if you watched him week in and week out, every game it was a little bit different. Sometimes they did throw the ball 40, 50 times a game because they knew the other team couldn't stop them. Sometimes they ran the ball effectively. I remember talking about the USC game where they put up 52 points. They averaged like eight yards per carry. Then there are games like in the college football playoff against Texas. And against Texas and really against Oregon both times, DeBoer knew they got great guys up front. They got great talent, NFL dudes. We can't match up player for player. And so he changed the game plan. More vertical passing with Michael Penix. Oh, by the way, a lot of short passes. We can't run the football, so we're going to use the short passing game as a way to move the chains almost as if it's the run. And so that's why I love Kalen DeBoer because he's not going to say, well, I can't win with Jalen Milrow or I can't do this or I need that. He's going to say, no, 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 no. What do we have in this building and how can I build off of the guys that we have supplement through the portal, et cetera. And so that's where I would be excited if I was an Alabama fan. This guy just went 14 and one at Washington in the toughest Pac-12 that ever there was. Two wins against Dan Lanning, the guy that a lot of people wanted to take over for Nick Saban. A win against Steve Sarkeesian in the college football playoff this year. By the way, you beat Sark in a bowl game last year. Another guy that Alabama guys wanted. And I don't think in any of those four games that Washington had more talent. So now a guy who just went 14 and one is walking into a situation where he is going to have the most talent that he has ever had. And by the way, let's lead to some of the conversations and concerns about Kalen DeBoer as well. What's the number one biggest concern? I think a lot of people will sit there and say, well, you know, he's never been in the SEC footprint. Can he recruit? We've seen some guys have a lot of success, but a lot of guys have completely failed without that SEC background. For every Nick Saban that came from Michigan State and the Midwest to LSU and then Alabama and had success, there's a Brian Harson who came from Boise State and is a disaster. For every Urban Meyer that had never coached in the SEC that won two national championships at Florida, there's a Brett Bielema who came to Arkansas and thought he was the boss hog, and then he got pushed around and run out of that place. So I understand the people that are concerned, but one, I think if he can keep the bare bones of that team that Nick Saban had together, and I think he will. I know Isaiah Bond has already transferred. I think they're going to win and win big early next year. Now, the schedule is brutal. Make no mistake about it. You know, you got Missouri, who's really good next year, at LSU, at Tennessee, Auburn at home, at Oklahoma. I mean, the schedule is 
thankless a year from now. But this is the most talented team that he's ever going to have. And, and why I bring it up is because for people who say he can't recruit, you know the number one way to have success in recruiting? Win football games. Because you could talk about all the different variables about, you know, NIL and collectives and portal and 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 system and NFL. If you win, you will get players. And so if he starts out and goes 11 and 1 and goes to the college football playoff, that is going to lead to success in recruiting. There is going to be no drop-off because all of these guys that are sophomores, juniors, freshmen in high school, they've all grown up wanting to play at Alabama. And as long as it doesn't bottom out, that's not going to change. And so when you factor in the guys that he already has, with the egoless attitude and, and energy that he brings, I don't think there's any doubt that he is going to have success. And, and, and I think the other thing, too, with the recruiting, people say, oh, you know, I mean, can he recruit? Well, my whole thing is this. Egoless, no attitude. If he is not an A++ recruiter, guess what's going to happen? He's going to bring in a staff that is going to help him. If NIL isn't where it needs to be, and I'm not saying it is Alabama fans, but he will get it figured out because that's the kind of guy he is. So ultimately, I could go on and on. But I would say pretty straightforward. There's no perfect answer. There's there's no perfect replacement for the greatest coach to have ever done it. There's no perfect replacement for the greatest anything to have ever done it. There's no perfect replacement for Coach K at Duke basketball. No perfect replacement for Phil Jackson when he left the, the Los Angeles Lakers or the Chicago Bulls. No perfect replacement for Bear Bryant. No perfect. You go on and on down the list. If Jim Harbaugh goes to the NFL, no perfect replacement for him either. But winning, culture, accountability. And then I'll say this really quickly. I thought he answered every question in that press conference about as well as he possibly could have on Saturday. I haven't even addressed the press conference, but he said all the right things. He talked about why Alabama, the history, the traditions. And he said, I, this was one of the important things. I, I watched the entire opening statement. He said, I want to work with the players to better understand those traditions. I want to work with the players to better understand what makes this place so special. That is a guy that gets it. That is a guy that understands for me to have the success that will be needed for me to keep this job. I got to get buy-in from 85 guys in that locker room. He talked about wanting to have coach Saban around. He talked about the fact that I'd be silly if I wasn't with him every single day as much as I can be soaking up knowledge. Finally, let me say this too. Uh, by the way, I thought the press conference was great. The last thing I would say about DeBoer, I think a lot of people would look at Nick Saban being around as a negative. I think he's, again, egoless enough to look at it as a positive. I, I can't say for sure, but I know there's a lot of people that would be intimidated by having a legend in the building, maybe not every day, but, but pretty close to every day. But what I see pretty clearly is Nick Saban doesn't want to coach anymore. But Nick Saban also very much cares about the present and future of Alabama football. He doesn't want to see something that he spent 17 years building to the epitome of the sport crumble. And so I think Nick Saban is going to be invested in Kalen DeBoer working. And I think Kalen DeBoer is going to be invested in listening to Nick Saban and having Nick Saban help him keep this program where it is. So again, if you're a fan that just sits back and says, you know what? I need to see it to believe it. 
I totally get it. I'll say this, schedule ain't going to be easy. I don't think you're going 12-0 and next year. You might not even go 11-1. and But I think you got the right guy. This will be the most talented team he ever has. Now it's time to get to work. The important thing, Jalen Milrow feels fully bought in. I think Jalen Milrow's got sort of an important job in the coming weeks to retain as much of the roster as he can. You know, Isaiah Bond, the leading receiver, entered the portal. He's already committed to Texas. Amari Nyblack, a really talented tight end, entered the portal right before I started recording here on Sunday night. So it's on Jalen Milrow to help uh, uh, DeBoer out. But by the way, DeBoer's going to bring some players from Washington as well. So I'm excited about this hire. I think it's going to work. I think he's going to be really good. Bama fans, be patient. There is no other Nick Saban, but I think you did about as well as you could. With that said, what I want to do now, take a quick break, come back. When we come back, we'll talk about the opposite side of things, and that is what happened with Washington. Interesting uh, move to replace Kalen DeBoer. We'll discuss all that next. Quick break. Be right back. All right, everybody. All right, back. Good to be back. Good to be back. I do want to switch gears, and I want to talk about what I guess you would call the Nick Saban trickle-down effect. Because obviously when a guy, the stature of Nick Saban retires, the focus is going to be on one, him and his legacy. But then two, who is next at Alabama? Well, we got that answer on Friday. That was Kalen DeBoer. Spent a lot of time talking about that. But then the fascinating question becomes who replaces a guy that just won or or, or was a runner-up for a national championship at Washington? Obviously an interesting time. They are heading to the Big Ten. Obviously money is going to be uh, much more abundant. And so we kind of just were curious as to who is going to be that next head guy. And bluntly, there were a lot of really intriguing candidates out there. Ryan Grubb who had basically been uh, DeBoer's right-hand man dating back to Sioux Falls, was his OC at Washington. Remember, Ryan Grubb had the opportunity to be Alabama's offensive coordinator last year under Nick Saban when Tommy Reese got the job and instead decided to stay with DeBoer at Washington. A lot of people thought he would be the guy. We find out a little bit probably after midnight Eastern, very late Saturday into Sunday, that he isn't going to be the guy. He releases a statement saying, I wanted this job. I thought I could get it, but it's time for me to move on. Thank you, Washington. From there, there's some Matt Campbell buzz. There's some Lance Leipold buzz. Thought it was very interesting that there was even a little Pete Carroll buzz. Of course, Pete Carroll is in Seattle, won a national championship, won a Super Bowl, wants to coach. But in the end, I'll give credit where it's due to the Washington AD, the new Washington AD, Troy Dannon, who it appears as though has landed Jed Fish as the next head coach of Washington. And let me just say, this is a stunner of all stunners. Arizona fans, I feel terrible for you. But the Washington perspective, there's nothing else to say other than that. My goodness, my goodness, what a stunning hire and credit to Washington's AD. And so let's break it down again. We'll talk about the Arizona perspective. And I think there's a bigger picture conversation about college football as a whole here. But from the Washington perspective, this is about as good as you could ask for. And I'll be honest, I I did my Fox Sports radio show on Saturday night when the Ryan Grubb news broke. And I said, I don't know if I like this move from Washington. Keep it in-house. Keep it internal. This guy wants the job. Like, go ahead and just hire this guy. 
He's an elite coordinator. He will be a head coach soon. Just go ahead and hire this guy. Keep everything together, whatever. So I bring it up because I give Troy Dan and the AD a ton of credit. He wanted a bigger name. He wanted a sitting head coach, and he got him. And right now, we don't have very many details on what the contract looks like, whatever. But they got themselves a heck of a coach in Jed Fish. Listen, this was a guy. I live on the West Coast. I've been to Tucson a couple times. Love the Arizona community. They've embraced me. Thank you, Tucson. Um, Quote Tommy Lloyd, Tucson, what's good? But, you know, I I bring it up because I've watched Jed Fish from a distance. I am so impressed with this guy. And I think Washington just got themselves a home run of all home runs. This is a guy. Got to Arizona about three, four years ago. Had largely an NFL background, although he had obviously coached in college as well. And I just love the way that he attacked the Arizona rebuild. He was in a situation where um, it was as bad as it could possibly be at Arizona. And from there, I thought he was a very tactical recruiter. Um, You know, took a lot of developmental guys. A guy like Noah Fafita, who of course was his um, quarterback who won a ton of games late in the season. But also, I give him credit. He was a fearless recruiter as well. The criticism of his predecessor, uh, uh, Kevin Sumlin, was that Kevin Sumlin was like, this is Arizona. We can't we can't recruit with the best of the best. And what ends up happening? Doesn't even go after uh, local recruits, including, by the way, Bijan Robinson, who was in high school in Tucson. Kevin Sumlin never even recruited him. But I bring it up because Jed Fish was like, no, no, no. This is Arizona. We can win and win big here. Um, recruited, obviously, uh, the, the kid T-Mac, Tutorial McMillan, uh, was a fringe five-star two years ago. So he got the developmental guys, but he wasn't afraid to go after the big fish either. Five-star kid, could have gone to pretty much anywhere in college football, was committed to Oregon. When Mario Cristobal leaves Oregon, he ends up going to Arizona, and he evolved into one of the best wide receivers in college football this year. And I think bottom line, he could be one of the best wide receivers in college football next year as he approaches his his true junior season. Beyond that, and I think this is important as well, Jed Fish had, had a great approach to the transfer portal. Went heavy, you know, he recruited a lot of skill on offense out of the high school ranks, went heavy on defense last year, and that defense was significantly improved from 2022 to 2023. It's what allowed Arizona to go from five and seven a year ago to 10 and three this past season. And so I like the way he recruits. I like the way he thinks. I like the way he builds a program. I like the way he does media. I just think he is a really, really smart guy. And again, I cannot say this enough. I give Air, uh, Washington so much credit for going out and getting this guy. I'll also say I this is stunning to me because I didn't believe he was a real candidate. And you start to hear his name early in the process. And I texted some people that I know, and they kept saying, no, he's not a candidate. No, he's not a candidate. And again, we'll see what the contract ultimately looks like. We'll see if they made him an offer that he couldn't refuse. And again, the new world of college football, maybe they did offer him $10 million a year, $9 million a year. Maybe they did triple his salary. I was making about a three, three and a half, I believe, at Arizona. And if that's the case, I don't know what Arizona could do, but why I was so shocked He has a team that I believe is good enough to win the Big 12 next year. Remember, Arizona is going to the Big 12. Arizona had a team, 18 starters back off of a team that won 10 games this year. Beat Oklahoma in the Alamo Bowl. Beat Utah. Beat whoever. You know, name the team. They beat everybody. And so I am stunned that he chose this job, not only because I think, look, on the one hand, 
It's kind of what I said with Kalen DeBoer. This is, in theory, if he can retain everybody in the building, maybe the best team that he's ever had on paper. But you're also replacing a coach that nearly won a national championship. And you're also going into a conference that is going to be really, really, really hard. And I know everybody thinks you have to go to the Big Ten or the SEC if you get the opportunity. I disagree. Stay in Arizona, get to the college football playoff next year, and I'll be blunt. I think you have way better options than Washington. No disrespect to Washington fans that are watching this video, listening on podcasts, because I know you're going to yell at me. But you stay at Arizona. Here's the bottom line. Jetfish is a Florida alum. I think Florida is going to open in next November. I'm marking it right now, January 15th, 2024. I think by November 15th, 2024, Florida will be looking for a new head football coach. He could have gotten that job. With his NFL ties, he's already being talked about as a candidate at the NFL level. And so it's crazy to me because I think Arizona fans thought they were probably going to lose this guy. I don't think any of them thought they were going to lose him under these circumstances this offseason after they, you know, there was a, a hint of a whisper of an AM rumor, but instead they lose him to Washington. So Arizona fans, I feel bad for you, man. It's a gut punch. Because, you know, you just get the 2024 season. Then if you leave for Florida, if you leave for the NFL, that's one thing. But to then, in theory, leave before 2024 for a job that I just don't think is that much better. I'm sorry, Washington fans. I wouldn't have done it if I was Jed Fish. I don't care about the money. The money will be there down the road. So it's a stunner. But what I think it really says to me, guys, I think it says we're, we're, we really are headed towards a new world of college football and a new world of college sports, but especially football, where I just think the Big Ten and the SEC, they're just going to have so much more money than everybody else. I don't know how, how how the other conferences compete. And it sucks, and it's you know you wish it wasn't true. And look, there's going to be maybe a Florida State in the ACC, a Clemson in the ACC, maybe somebody emerges in the Big 12. Utah, TCU, Kansas State, maybe it's Arizona, who knows? But this is the reality, is that if Washington wants to just break the bank, and and by the way, Washington's only getting half of the share that the other 16 teams in the, in the Big Ten are getting. So Washington and Oregon are taking half of a share. But Washington, if they want to break the bank, they can break the bank. There's so much money in that conference and in the SEC, and these other teams can't keep up. And so... It's interesting because it's it's the coaching salary, but here's the other part that I don't think like the casual, I'm not blaming any fan, right? But what I, I don't think it's so much about just the head coach. What I think maybe even more importantly, when you are not in one of those conferences, it makes everything else harder as well. Okay, maybe you can raise the money in NIL to keep a star player, but can you keep, you know, five other starters that you can't afford because you're paying the star guy like a lot of money. You know, I think the assistant coach stuff is huge. Arizona lost an assistant coach on Sunday morning to Texas. This was before the Jed Fish news broke. They lost another defensive uh, assistant to Texas earlier in the offseason because Texas can probably triple your salary. They can pay a, a, a safeties coach $900,000 if they need to. He's probably making two fifty dollars at Arizona. I remember talking to a group of five head coach coming off a very successful season this past summer. It's like the greatest thing we did, we got lucky. We were able to keep all our, our assistant coaches. We can, we know we won't be able to do that in another year when if we have the success we think, people are going to want to double and triple and quadruple their salaries. And so to me, 
That is the new reality of college sports, and it really sucks. It's not just Arizona, by the way, and it's not just the head coach. It's that it is going to be so hard to keep teams together because assistant coaches are going to get so much money. And when you start losing assistant coaches, when you start losing players, you just kind of bang your head against the wall and say, I'd rather go to the Big Ten. I'd rather go to the SEC. I'll make my 10, 11 million. And if I get fired in four years, I'm set for the rest of my life. So this is the new reality. I think the assistant coach stuff probably weighed on him. And I just have a few more thoughts before we get out of here. One, from the Arizona perspective, you know what my honest opinion is? The most important thing they do over the next 48 to 72 hours themselves, get Noah Fafita, their starting quarterback, on board. I believe if you keep Noah Fafita, I think there is a great chance that you keep that locker room largely intact. I know T-Mac is a star. I know T-Mac probably has six high six, seven-figure offers in NIL. But I believe if you can keep his quarterback that's been his quarterback since high school in that building, you keep T-Mac and you keep most of the roster together. You lose Fafita, whether it's to Washington, whether it's to somewhere else, I think you're in big, big, big trouble as far as keeping this roster is concerned. So keep Fafita, figure it out. I don't care what you got to do. And then from a, co- a, a follow-up perspective, I don't even know who the candidates are at Arizona. By the time I'm, I'm you're listening to this, I'm sure Pete Thamel has put out some sort of report with names and suggestions and whatever. I can't even think of who would be the next head coach at Arizona. But man, like I, I just feel bad for Arizona fans. You're coming off a 10-win season, you return everybody. I think there was a thought, again, we bring back everybody next year. Whether it works out well or not, we're probably going to lose fish, and that's going to be okay. That's the reality of the situation. But to lose them to Washington, which I think is going to be the fifth, sixth best team maybe in the Big Ten next year, not better than Oregon, not better than Ohio State, Michigan will see. It's just a big, big bummer. All right, I think that's it for this episode of the Air Tour Sports Podcast. You know, I was going to do uh, some college hoops today, had some thoughts on the weekend's games, had some thoughts on just a, a, a story that I've seen that I find very interesting. But I think with all the football, I think with the Cowboys debacle, we can go ahead and save that for another day. Uh, Yeah, we will have plenty of time in January, February, March, and beyond to talk college hoops. That's it for today's show, though. If you're not subscribed to the show, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you are subscribed. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you are following on social media at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter at Aaron Torres pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. If you're not subscribed on YouTube as well, please make sure to do so. Just crossed 32,000 subscribers. Been going live the last couple of weeks. We will not be doing it. At, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be going live quite a bit as news breaks. So make sure you're subscribed there as well. But that's all for today's show. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick, you f Unblock me, bro. I will be back on Wednesday, I guess. New Aaron Torres pod. Hope everybody has a great, great, great uh, Martin Luther King Day and enjoys the holiday.